Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, as we say here in America in in the name of Jesus the Christ. Today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and if you listen to chapter 8, it's going to be the same theme that is flowing through. And I try to always remind there are not any chapter and verse divisions in the original. So this is one complete thought that is dealing with an offering that has been collected that started with the church at Corinth for the believers back in Jerusalem in the region of Judea. And it started in Corinth and the churches of Macedonia got involved as well. And they're collecting because they're going through a famine. There's persecution. The believers in Jerusalem, many of them had lost everything that they had physically because of the persecution, and they had been scattered to Judea and Samaria. And now it's time for predominantly Gentile background believers to respond to the Jewish believers back in Jerusalem to minister to them physically. So they're taking up this offering. And in chapter 8 and in chapter 9, equally, Paul is mentioning or encouraging them to finish this that they started and let it be a witness to the churches in Macedonia as well about their faithfulness. But they are not under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver, and it must come from within side of them. Again, I want to emphasize this is not talking about tithing. This is talking about an offering that has been collected for the persecuted believers that are experiencing a famine back in Judea and Jerusalem. And now the Gentile background believers are responding to this to their family, their brothers and sisters in the Lord that need help, and they're raising this offering. So let's start in verse 1. Alan is with me today. And Alan, if you don't mind, if you could read the first five verses. Sure. So 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1. For it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely, that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that, as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetedness. So let's look at this. Paul and the ones that are with him that are in Macedonia, are sending others ahead of them for the sake of them being prepared for when they come. In a Middle Eastern culture, shame is a very strong aspect of the culture not to be shamed, not to be put to shame. In fact, uh, to save face is very important that you give people the opportunity not to experience shame. And you see this kind of um, cultural context here, that Paul is sending a group ahead of them, 
so that they will be prepared so that when they come and that there are Macedonians that come with him, that there won't be anything that Paul will be ashamed of because he's talked about their faithfulness. They started this offering a year earlier. There could have been some conflict of some people within the congregation that are coming against the offering. And so when you look at chapter 8, finish what you have begun and don't allow me to get there and find out that you have not finished the task. In chapter 8, he wants them to finish it. He doesn't want to be ashamed when he comes. And it would be very shameful for him to talk about how Corinth had started this, and it was their desire to do it, and it talked to the Macedonians. And the Macedonians, from their own heart, have collected an offering for the Jewish believers. And now they get to Corinth, and there's conflict, and they haven't raised the offering. Or they haven't raised a good offering to send back to Jerusalem. So this is what Paul is saying here. He's sending a delegation in front of them so everything is done in the right way. And he doesn't want them to have a spirit of coveting and not wanting to give up what they have. He wants them out of their own hearts to give generously to the believers back in Jerusalem. When he talked about this as well in 1 Corinthians, you know, where he said, set aside a day, sort of take up this offering. To me, it's first day of the week. Yeah, first day of the week. And it speaks to me of just, just start doing it. So when he gets there, the Macedonians get there. It's not like, say, you were coming to visit me and all of a sudden I had to pull $1,000 out of the bank account that I wasn't expecting. I'd have to scramble. It, it could be awkward. It may not be at the right time. So just, just go ahead and take care of it now on the front end. And like you said, Paul sort of put his reputation on the line here too. And the thing that, that inspired the Macedonians to give was the church at Corinth. So you're right. So when they get there, they've sort of given as much as they could out of their deep poverty, as Paul spoke about. So if you get to Corinth, which, you know, is a wealthier church by all accounts of history, a wealthier region, etc., wouldn't it be sad if the Corinthians' gift was smaller than the really, really poor, deep poverty people in Macedonia? I think Paul is just trying to make sure that he's not embarrassed, they are not embarrassed. Um, But also I think it goes back, too, to what we talked about in in the last podcast in chapter 8 about, you know, keeping their word as well. You know, they started this, they said they were going to do this. So Paul's kind of getting that principle in there and just just giving them an extra nudge. You know, I don't think Paul has any reason, he's not getting any gain out of this offering and it's nothing he's pushing them to do for any other selfish game. I think it's really more of a, a fatherly lesson to them. And really, as a father would say, my father would say, you know, Alan, get this ready. You said you do it. You know, I'm sending some people to help you make sure you do it. It's almost he's doing it with that, that heart you can kind of read into in these verses. Right. And he could also be sending this delegation in advance in case some of these false teachers that we're going to deal with, and he even calls them false apostles in chapters 10 through 13, have stirred up conflict, have put any type of obstacle and hindrance to the collecting of the offering and to make sure that it's a free environment from them, from their own heart, to finish what they started. So I agree with that fully. Alan, if you could read verse 6, we're just going to read this verse, and prosperity teachers love this verse because they make it about themselves. Uh, They make it about the individual that is giving. But remember, the whole focus here is on the believers that are suffering back in Jerusalem. But let's read this verse. 
Uh, verse 6. Now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So how many times have you heard that statement preached in the sense of trying to get people to give more and more, talking about the reward that comes to the person who gives? There is a general principle that we see scripturally that especially in the Old Covenant, what we call the Tanakh, the more that you're faithful to God, the more that you do, the blessings of God come. That is part of the law. And the more that you walk away from God, the more the curses will come, the blessings and the curses. When we get to the New Covenant, I like to say it in this way, Yeshua, Jesus, turned the kingdom upside down. The more that you're faithful to God, the more that trouble is promised to you, the more that you take up your own cross, which is a sign of death, and deny yourself, the more that you do that, the more that Jesus said to his disciples, the world will hate you. And so when we look at that reality of people in this new covenant where the law is written in our hearts— And that by following Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Master, when we look at his life, that's the life of the believer, denying himself, taking up his own cross, and following him. Where did Jesus go? He went to the cross. He laid down his life. He submitted himself to the Father so that salvation can come to the world. So when we look at a verse like this, And we see what Paul is saying. Yes, in general, what we sow, we will reap. If we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. That's a general principle. As we give, as we sow bountifully, we will also reap bountifully. And I don't think he's focused in upon finances because It's more about the kingdom as we give this offering and as we sow in the sense of helping out these believers, know that God knows how to take care of us. Remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What are these things? Clothing, shelter, food, the provisions, the needs in our lives. God knows how to take care of us. And so as we do the work of God, as we give financially, it's not about me giving something financially and saying, God, you have to give back to me because I sowed bountifully. That guy gave $10, but I gave $100. So God, you have to give me back more. I don't even give for the sake of getting back. I've already received the greatest gift of all, the gift of God's salvation. So in the context of everything that is happening here, I don't believe Paul is talking about, okay, the more you give, the more God's going to give back financially to you. It's a relationship with God. It's a trust in God. As we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully from the things of God within our lives. If you look at verse 7, let me read verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Not what you're told to do, but what is coming out of your own heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. Have you ever seen believers, Christians, people in the New Covenant say, well, I've got to give. 
You know, it's something, it's a duty. It's something that I have to do. I have to do this. And there's a fight internally that is going on. Some give to get something back, you know, and there's a conflict that is happening. And Paul is saying, not grudgingly or under compulsion. If you have this mindset that, oh, I have to do this, but you don't really uh, want to do it, that's not the really the spirit of giving. That's not coming out of a relationship with God and a relationship with the body of Christ. For God loves a cheerful giver. So if I'm going to give, I want to give in a sense that I want to do this for God's glory, and I want to do this to help my brothers that are suffering back in Jerusalem. And so it's got to come from here, from the heart, what I have purposed in my heart, not something that I have to do, because this is a relationship with God, and it's a relationship with the body of the Messiah. So let it come from within. God loves a cheerful giver. And Scott, I'll I'll add too, I think I, I read that under compulsion, and I think, as you mentioned, you know, how many times we've heard the prosperity preachers and you know, it's almost like they're forcing the people that are listening or that are attending their meeting, saying you have to, and then they throw a dollar amount to it. And, you know, that's just, to me, they're they're really trying to sell this to you to do it, just with their words and with wrong motives. So don't do that kind of compulsion either, where you feel like someone's telling you, you have to now sow X amount into this because you're going to get reward. And I think that's the thing you see a lot here in the West. I mean, that really gives Christianity a bad name where you have preachers saying you have to, you have to, and then people are listening and they believe them and they do it, you know, knows where that money goes sometimes. So I think that's a great point about, yeah, not feeling like you have to do it because you feel obligated or because someone tells you you have to. It's because you want to, and it's a cheerful heart. And if you're thinking about the reward that's coming, if it's monetary and you say, well, I'm going to get it back later, that's probably the wrong attitude to have. And if you have those thoughts, you need to check your motives a little bit and check your heart and say, what is the reason that you want to do this? And if you gave this amount, if nothing ever came back to you ever, would you still be cheerful and happy because you were blessing another believer or blessing somebody with it and, and try to get yourself to that attitude? Yes, I always give not expecting anything in return. I I teach people, give not expecting anything in return. Let it come from the heart. Know that God is taking care of you. Look at the next statement he says in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. You know, as this relationship with God, this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as we give with a cheerful heart, our lives are in God's hands, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. I'm under the grace of God. My life is in his hands. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, everything in my life is in God's hands. God's grace is with me. I don't want to live one day outside of the grace of God. Everything of sufficiency I have in God's grace. And so I don't have to worry I don't have to fret about anything in my life. That's the whole part of what Jesus is saying, is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry. God knows how to take care of you. And in everything in my life, everything in my family, everything that God wants me to do, I'm completely dependent upon him, and he knows how to provide for his own children. You may have an abundance for every what? good deed. 
So again, it's not about me or me receiving or me getting a big car or me getting a bigger house. It's about that I may have an abundance for every good work that God wants me to do. Yeah, and I, I think, Scott, we'll see here in the next couple of verses, too, that abundance doesn't necessarily mean it's an abundance of physical things or monetary things. Abundance of love, abundance of joy, abundance of a giving spirit that you have to do these deeds, you know, and it could be an emotional need that you're meeting for someone else and you're having this abundance of it in your spirit. So, you know, I, I think you can you can spin this and the prosperity people spin it that it's your abundance in wealth, what we would consider wealth and material things. But I don't really see it saying that, saying an abundance to do every good deed. So it could be an abundance of, of you know, any good thing, not just, you know, abundance of, of money in your bank account to, right. to give to other people. Right. I think we get it really backwards here in the West and we we look at success and, and happiness, you know, a lot of it's based on materialistic things and what house and you know, are you are you living comfortable in a sense of material wealth, but God has a different idea a lot of times right. and he knows what's best for us and sometimes that's not having the the million dollar mansion or the car, you know, mm-hmm. he sees the things that it's problems it's gonna create in our life. But he does know how to give us abundance in the things that we need. Amen. Verse nine, he quotes from Psalm Chapter 112, as it is written, he scattered abroad and he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. This psalm is about the blessings that come to those that walk with God. God knows how to take care of his own. His grace is sufficient for those that trust in him. But the wicked are in a completely different context as you read Psalm 112. All they have to look forward to is the judgment of God upon their lives. But those that trust in him and have faith in him, the blessings of God, we walk in God's blessing. Now look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And again, the emphasis is about our righteousness of how we live and how we honor God and how we are set apart for God's glory. So there is an increase for those that are givers, those that give bountifully, those that give from a cheerful heart. God's grace is with us, and we know that God is watching out over our lives, and there is an increase of the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. How is it producing thanksgiving to God? Because Macedonia and Corinth are collecting an offering. It is a sweet aroma to God. This is what Paul talks about in the gift he received in his letter to the Philippians. And they're going to send it to the believers in Jerusalem. And there is going to be praise and adoration to God for God's faithfulness and God's provision that is coming through these other believers. So it produces thanksgiving to God. Verses 12 through 15. Alan, if you could close out the chapter by reading these verses. Verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. 
while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Look at that last statement. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is God's gift, God's provision, producing praise and honor to God through the family providing or having a heart to provide for each other. When we look at brothers and sisters in the faith, that is my brother, that is my sister, we're a family, we're one body of one spirit, and therefore, when I give to a brother that is down, praise be to God. And Alan, everything that we have, everything that we do is for the glory of God. It should never be about the believers in Jerusalem looking back at me and saying, oh, did they tell me thanks? Did they write me a letter? Did they praise me for what I have done? No, it is all about praise unto God. If it brings praise to God, that's all that I want. I, they don't even have to know that I gave. I don't even want them to know. I want them to know that the body of Christ loves them and God is providing through us to them, but the praise has to go to God. It is his gift of provision for the believers in Jerusalem. So these two chapters are so incredible about the opportunity to give. And as you look at this, don't be pulled into a prosperity message where it's all about me. It's always about him, and it's always about ministering to others. It's always about being a giver. It's always about being a cheerful giver, not someone that has to do it under compulsion, but someone that does it from the heart, finish what you have started, it was a great idea. It would bring glory to God, and let's get this done for God's glory. And this should be in our hearts as well. And I would just add, you know, that, that that's so powerful. You know, they, they were inspired, you know, by the Holy Spirit to start this gift. You see Titus getting involved. You see Macedonians getting involved. You know, so God is, is doing this work, and I would just challenge anyone listening to to listen to that you know, prompt if you're feeling inspired to do something. And, you know, sometimes it may not make sense. And I've, I've heard probably a dozen stories being someone that's grown up in the church and the, the Christian faith of, of people that were on their last leg and didn't have groceries and they prayed and all of a sudden they come home and there's just groceries on yes. their front porch. Or, you know, someone comes up and says, I've, I felt, you know, led to give you X amount. And it was exactly the amount they needed another Christian gave them, you know, and that was just, you know, only God can do that, and only God can do that through, you know, us here, his instruments on on earth, and it's all to glorify his name. And imagine the testimony that family has that some other believer felt like they should do it, did it with the right heart, gave them those groceries, that amount, whatever it was. They remember that for the rest of their life, how God met that need, and, and you can be used by him to do that. So, you don't, don't take it lightly, and, and it could just be something small or it could be big. Who knows what God will speak to you, but always try to, to listen for that and, and watch how God works with it. Yes, and let's remember as we close in prayer, our whole faith is based upon giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Our faith is based upon giving. And so let's be givers. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you will build in our hearts a heart of giving, looking for opportunities, sensitive to your leading and your guidance through your spirit to give and to do it with cheerfulness and not under compulsion, God, 
not wanting anything in return, but just to glorify your name. And God, speak to us. Everything that we have belongs to you, and whatever you want us to give, it all belongs to you in the first place. We give it to you, use it for your glory, and however we can minister to the body of Christ, and even outside of the body of Christ, God, use us and let us be givers, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.